We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. You, you personally? I think we ain't done yet. Sweat a little bit today. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Budding Heads podcast. Proud part of Rams Talk Radio and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. The best place to get your podcast. Johnny, two straight weeks, two straight big contract extensions for us to talk about. How you feeling? We got Cooper Cup back on a historic deal. Well, you and I had talked about what thinking us thinking that uh Cup will likely you know, sign next year to an extension. Uh, it didn't exactly pan out. And I am, I'm happy that this guy just already signed his extension and, and you know what, man, it, he deserved it. And I think it's just securing the core players of this entire team for a long time, which is exactly what we want. You know, we don't want to see Cooper cup playing for another team. Uh, especially not another team in our division. So um, I'm all for it. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, really, there's really no immediate player at the moment um, that at least of superstar talent that the Rams really need to address. So uh, I think that's that's a good thing in the long in the long run here. That's a big win, man. Yeah, we. uh all, all the core of this team that got us to a championship last year, the you could say the core four guys are, are here for a while. Uh, they're making a lot of money. There is going to be some ans- questions that need to be answered on how we keep the rest of the team together and how we keep a competitive core around these guys. But I'm not too worried, man. And if they're only competitive for this year. Whatever. Still worth it. We got a ring. We might get two. Uh, certainly the Rams are walking into this season as one of the favorites for the title. Absolutely. And when you think about the NFC, who oddly enough has gotten, you know, really terrible quick quickly, the Rams are, I mean, really the biggest challenge for the Rams uh, on the NFC side of the ball is probably the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not even the Green Bay Packers anymore. And that's kind of amazing when you think about it. I, I And mind you, you know, that's, it's not, that doesn't mean that you overlook the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Green Bay Packers for that matter, uh, because they're two very good teams right there. But beyond that is such a huge drop off that, yeah, the the Rams are easily one of the favored on the NFC side of the football. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm reading a little too much into that. 
Uh, what are you thinking, Steve? Nah, they're they're pretty easily the favorite. That's not to say that they're gonna win. Um, I would wonder what the I can look right now because I was just looking at some of my uh, losses on my DraftKings app. Who the um, the favorite actually is for next for the NFC next year? I I mean, I don't know how it's not us. Like. I, um, let's see, DraftKings, conference winner. Uh, they have Tampa Bay plus 300, Packers plus 450, us plus 500, 49ers plus 750, Cowboys plus 850, everyone else over 1,000. So, yeah, I mean, those are pr- pretty clearly the top three teams. But, I mean, given what we've seen from Green Bay in the playoffs the last couple of years, it's hard to really pick them as a top dog. Obviously, you're never going to count out Tampa Bay. But, uh... Tom Brady is 44. That hasn't stopped him in the past. But either way, I mean, there's no there's no world where you don't go all in on this team right now. It makes no sense. Your window is short in the NFL, and luckily we've been able to kind of build an extension on our house and make those windows a little even longer just to uh, keep this thing alive for a couple more years. Oh, absolutely. The, the longer you can make this a dynasty – um, the better off you will be. Now, can it be technically a dynasty? We'll have to see. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if it can happen, why not try and make the most of it? Certainly a, a good run nonetheless. I haven't had a losing season since 2016, uh, which is insane. Last- yeah, that's, <laughs> that's back in Jared Goff era. Last time the Rams had a losing season, Obama was president, man. It's been a long time. It is uh, crazy to think about that out loud. <laughs> like, we just have a losing season every year. Love to see it. Let's let's get into the numbers on this Cooper Cup extension. Obviously, right off the heels of Aaron Donald, the next guy is Cooper Cup. We or, I mean, probably more me than you have speculated on this podcast over the last month that I didn't think this would happen anytime soon. Uh, clearly, I was wrong. I am not an insider. I am just a fan who talks about the team on the pod. But I am happy it happened. The extension is a total of $110 million over the next five years. It's $80 million in new money as part of the extension. The other $30 million was already on the deal. Cooper Cup gets $75 million over this deal in guaranteed money. That is the highest ever for a wide receiver, surpassing Tyreek Hill, uh, who just inked a new extension this year. Pretty cap-friendly for this year. It's only $17.8 million on the cap this year. Not much different than what he was originally owed. This is a good sign for the Odell believers, as the Rams still have $7.5 million in cap space for 2022. Over the rest of his contract, he's going to be making about uh, $26.5 million. He makes $28 million next year, uh, about 26 for the two years after that, and then $23 million in 2026. Uh, pretty far away, but uh, it's good to get this guy locked up. He is young enough. To, you know, he's not super young, but young enough to where he'll probably be good for this whole contract. It is the third highest average salary per year. Um, behind Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. It's just ahead of Stephon Diggs and um, A.J. Brown. So those are your top five highest played players in the NFL. I mean, how do you how are you feeling about the extension numbers-wise? Feels about right. I mean, when you have as historic of a season as Cooper Cup did last year, literally putting up arguably the best numbers anyone's ever put up, um, when, leading your team to the Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl MVP, it's pretty hard not to justify this contract, and I think it's a good number. It's it's honestly a win that he's not the highest-paid receiver in the league. Like, the fact that we didn't have to shell out that much money, even though it was the most guaranteed, that's that's a win in my book, uh, and I think it's a win for everyone around all around uh, the money that Cooper Cup's getting here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of uh, wide receivers that are going to get paid eventually. Uh, you know, whether it be with their respective teams at the moment or with another team. Debo is going to get paid at some point. And kind of the difference there is, as you mentioned, Steve, Cup isn't the highest paid receiver. Well, Debo's going to probably be the the highest paid receiver in, in football. So the fact that 
you know, Cup kind of, uh, you know, negotiated in such a way that, yeah, he's getting paid his dues, but he's also not overvaluing himself. I think that's that's a wonderful team trait right there um, because it, it, it is deserved. He earned this contract. And the fact that the whole approach, you know, he didn't put any uh, stress on the Rams. He didn't put any demands here. You know, obviously he did mention that he does deserve, you know, uh, to get paid. But at the same time, he's like he's not in a rush. You know, it's not um, it's not he's not the priority kind of thing. That's the kind of stuff that Cup brings to the table as a player. And you need those kinds of guys on the team, too. And uh, I feel like really these kinds of guys are, are becoming rarer, rarer uh, in really any professional sport. So uh, good on Cup, good on the Rams. Uh, this is an all-around good situation, in my opinion. You want to know just how much Cooper Cup improved last year? Um, in the two seasons prior, in a total of – sorry, I'm doing math to fly. 31 games, he had – 20, 2,135 yards. Last season, he had 1,947. So, about 200 yards less in 14 less games. And obviously, the quarterback makes a difference there. He had more touchdowns last year as well than he did in the previous two seasons. Um, just, just it, it can't be uh, overstated how just insane of a leap this guy made last year. And you can't make that big of a leap entirely just because of a quarterback. The guy the guy is only 29 years old. Um, he just turned 29 today. Happy birthday, Coop. Uh, congrats on the new deal for the birthday. I'm sure you uh, are, are treating yourself with that, that newfound cash. So he's going to be 34 at the end of this contract. And, I mean, listen, this this – tracks as a guy who is not going to age poorly as a receiver uh it's pretty realistic to expect him to kind of have a larry fitzgerald trajectory where he just remains good and reliable for a long time because he's not overly reliant on being athletic uh you know obviously when his body starts to wear down a little bit he's not going to be as good but that's true for every player every athlete to ever live um so I, I, I'm I'm confident this contract will age well. Um, it's a bit. I mean, we'll see what the league is like in three or four years. But it's a big enough deal where it, you know it doesn't seem like we're gonna have to restructure him in a couple of years to give him more money. So I, I, I'm very happy with it. We lock up a guy that deserves this contract. Um, one of the best seasons ever. One of the best postseasons ever. I. It, it gets me giddy thinking about like if he can even become better next year because if you're able to make that big of a leap over one year who's to say that you can't even improve a little bit off that season i think he can absolutely improve it's just it's going to be a little bit more difficult to identify where he's improved if you go based on stats only uh because do i believe that cup is going to replicate the season he had last year probably not i mean can he do it sure i i it wouldn't surprise me completely if he if he uh, tops his stats at some point in his career, or, or maybe even this year. Who knows? But um, do I think that he can get better without you know topping this this past year's stats? Absolutely. And, and there are ways for him to do that. Um, it's just going to be a little bit difficult to tell uh, without just looking at the stats. It, it was a lot easier this past year. Uh, because he just had such a tremendous growth. And um, I, I think that we'll see it even more as he develops even more chemistry with Matthew Stafford. And, uh, I mean, this guy constantly finds ways to, uh, you know, wow us. You know, he, he, again, not a super athletic guy, but still somehow one of the best receivers in the league in yards after the catch. Uh, simply because he can extend, he can extend plays. It somehow he just manages to do it. He's just an amazing all-around receiver. And, and I think you shouldn't be rooting for him to have 1,900 yards and 16 touchdowns again. I'm not saying like 
if he does that, I'm not going to sit here being upset about it. If he does that, he might be a Hall of Famer already. Um, but if his numbers dip a little, it, the offense is probably around him is probably just better overall. Uh, because, you know, you shouldn't – nobody needs to get thrown the ball 200 times in a season. You know what I mean? Like, we have other options. They need to be better. Uh, I think they will be with Allen Robinson in the building uh, in a perfect world. We get Odell the second half of the year. Uh, hopefully Van Jefferson is a better player. Hopefully Tutu Atwell is anything. Um, so, like, you shouldn't have to count on this guy for 145 catches for 1,900 yards and 16 touchdowns, man. Like, you just shouldn't have to rely on somebody at that insane of a level. If they do, I'm sure he will be great. I I, I think it'll be just fine. But, you know, if he dips down to, like, 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns, like, that definitely does not mean he's playing worse. Realistically, it probably means, A, defenses are adapting a little bit more to him, and, B, the other guys on the team are playing better. Unless the team is just bad, uh, which would be very shocking. Yeah, if uh, if the team's bad, then uh, I don't think we'll be happy with anything at that point. But um... Well, we got a ring, so if the team's bad, it is what it is. But uh, I, I, can, I can already hear the arguments, though if we're bad, uh, saying fireless need, you know, he, he, he put us in a, in a hole for years, you know, we're not going to have draft pick for years, even though, uh, what is it? 2024, we'll have a, a first round draft pick. If that, right. Yeah. I think that is accurate though. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can already hear it if, uh, if it comes to that, but I, I highly doubt it. I think that this team is, is, uh, you know, structured for success. And as long as injuries don't occur, and I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Um, I, I think this is what's going to help keep the Rams as, as you know, the top teams, particularly with cup, because as many Ram fans realize uh, early on in his career, he was banged up quite a bit and we saw the potential there and it just didn't get, you know, displayed at all just because, you know, again, you can't really shine if you're on the bench hurt. Uh, so now that he's, you know, um, gotten past these injuries, uh, you know, as long as he stays healthy, this is a guy that can seriously be a top five, if not a top three receiver in the league. Um, and if we go based off last year, he was the best receiver in the league. So, um, yeah, in my opinion, he's still the best receiver in the league until, um, stats dictate otherwise. Yeah, and I agree. And I mean, listen, if if you're dra- if you're redrafting the receivers in the NFL today, he's not going number one because he's 29. Uh, but if you're redrafting the receivers in the NFL today for one year, he has a very good case to be the first receiver off the board. He probably would be. I don't know who you'd put ahead of him today. You know, over the next 10 years, yeah, you want Jamar Chase. You probably want Justin Jefferson as well. But today, yeah, he's the guy, man. I don't, you can't do those numbers and say he's not the guy. You know, Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback, but this is a guy who has made two Pro Bowls in his career and floundered on a bad team for 10 years. Was the Lions being bad his fault? No. But, it, you know, if Matthew Stafford was a generational one of one quarterback talent, the Lions would have been better. Matthew Stafford is an incredible quarterback, a great quarterback, a guy who probably could have been a Hall of Famer in a different situation. He still has time to become a Hall of Famer, um, but he he's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. And my, my point is, him alone doesn't make doesn't get these numbers to Cooper Cup. You know, he is a big part of the reason it happened. But Cup, it, 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 it one player can't do this for somebody. Yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, uh, you you have Jared Goff uh, in previous years as throwing the ball to Cooper Cup, and Cup was already kind of making a name for himself. And and mind you, they weren't these astronomical numbers that we saw last year, but you know he was he was doing pretty damn good numbers here, and that was with you know a very limited quarterback in Jared Goff. You kind of get a step above Jared Goff, well, maybe uh, a couple steps above Jared Goff in, in Matthew Stafford, and it makes all the difference in the world. And 
again, it's that chemistry that these guys have that, uh, that made all the difference here. And, and I, I don't know necessarily if he would have the same numbers if Jared Goff was still the quarterback, but I feel like the numbers wouldn't be that far off. Um, but then again, it is golf. Yeah, it's they. They'd be. I feel like they'd be kind of far off. But he. I think he still would have made vast improvements. I think he still would have put up a Pro Bowl, borderline All Pro year with Goff. Uh, but I don't know if he could have done this. Um, I don't know if that's counter counteracting what I just said. But I. <laughs> but no, like he. I'm. I was more just saying like. He he is an elite receiver, and a quarterback change helps you drastically, but it, it, it cannot possibly make you the best receiver in the NFL. No, I totally agree with that. Um, let's move on. Uh, cups to some things about how, uh, you know, the business that kind of always works itself out, and you could trust the Rams to take care of players, and we kind of just talked about how they take care of their players for a while. Uh, in the midst of the Cooper Cup extension was Traven Howard, Rams inside linebacker, got cut right before the extension announced. Uh, the Rams saved $2.4 million by cutting him, cleared up some room to extend Cooper Cup. Uh, it was being reported at the time that the Rams wanted to bring him back at a different number, and this was really just a cap casualty move, and that ended up being true. Uh, the Rams brought him back a few days later. I don't think a number has been reported, but you could pretty much assume that it is less than 2.4 million. Got to get him back. He's a good rotational piece. He's a good guy to have behind Jones and Bobby Wagner. Uh, if he signed with somebody else after they caught him, I wouldn't be losing any sleep, but I certainly feel better that he's on the team. Yeah, I feel a lot better to be honest, because when you think about it, who who's behind Jones and Wagner. I, I I think you'd have to ask Justin Hollins to play uh, inside linebacker. I, I I think it would have to resort to that, and then probably have Terrell Lewis uh, play outside, starting outside linebacker. I think uh, considering he's healthy enough. I think they in that scenario they'd probably shift to a lot more one linebacker sets. I think they will do that regardless if one of Jones or Wagner gets hurt, but obviously Howard would play a lot more than, like you said, whoever's behind him in this scenario. Yeah, because I, I seriously believe that it's only um, it's only undrafted free agents at this point uh, or, or whoever was on the practice squad, uh, you know, last year. Not, but, uh, not much worse than what we've had in the past, Johnny, mind you. Fair enough. That's <laughs> That's a fair point. But uh, still, like, it, it was a little nerve-wracking because, yes, obviously, you know, the focus is going to be on Wagner and Jones, primarily Wagner, but um, you, you want to have at least some type of, it, uh, you know, assurance behind, uh, you know, behind these guys because both Wagner and Jones have had um, injuries in the past, and, yeah, that's – you don't want to be caught up in a situation where you're kind of scrambling uh, to, you know, find players to play at one position, you know? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right. 
Yeah, and ha- Howard's solid. You know, you got to stick him in there. You feel fine. So, yeah, glad to have him back. I hope he doesn't have to play much this year because I hope Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones don't get hurt. That's that's the dream. We're a better defense with them on the field. No doubt. Let's uh, touch on our, our weekly Odell news. Um <laughs> <laughs> really has been a weekly thing. Still nothing, but Kevin Demoff seemed confident that they are going to bring him back. Here's what he said on the 11 Personnel podcast on The Athletic. He said, the one variable that hasn't changed is how much we love him and want him to be there. I think he's expressed over social his desire to be here. Am I optimistic that we can get a deal done over time? Yes. With Odell, I think given the rehab, the timeline of coming back probably mid to later in the year, I just think that the sense of urgency from both both from his side and probably our side and maybe other teams is not right there for him. So it seems like they want to bring him back and nobody's in a rush to negotiate, which, you know, I I don't know how I feel about it. The Rams currently have seven and a half ish million in cap space. Um, I don't know if that accounts for the new Traven Howard deal. So it might be a little less than that at the end of the day. You know, we've talked about this before, but I'll, I'll say it again. Like, yeah, I don't think there's truly a rush, but I do think you want to have this guy locked up by the start of camp because players get injured, and it, it like like I, I said a couple weeks ago, if if a contender has a top receiver get hurt in the preseason, they might be willing to throw a little bit more money at Odell and hope for him to be back mid-season than they would be now. And so you might ultimately be shooting yourself in the foot if you don't get done get it done now. I obviously have full faith in this front office that they know what they're doing. Of course, they've made a couple mistakes here and there, but um, I, I don't think you know not bringing back Odell would be a a truly like like I, I'm not I I'm, can't find the right words for this like. It wouldn't be the worst thing they've ever done if they just don't bring him back. But I think it would be a great thing if they brought him back, and I think everyone would be happy about it. So, you know, I, I, I just I hope we get something done in July because I think if if you let this thing linger into August, you could enter dangerous territory, depending on what happens around the league. Well, basically, your only concern here is that uh, obviously Odell has made it clear that he wants to play for a contender, so. We've seen what he does when he comes and plays for a contender. He only helps get, you know, a team to a, a Super Bowl. So, uh, obviously, you don't want him playing for another team. You, you want him playing for your team. So, I, I do think that the ultimate goal is to sign Odell. But I also believe that the longer the Rams wait, the more his money is going to, you know, the more – of his contract that's going to cost uh, considering he is ready to go, um, you know, towards the latter half of the season. But, um, you know, there are going to be teams that are going to be absolutely interested the closer uh, his return time is, you know, uh, the Green Bay Packers could absolutely use him. You know, they, they have a big hole at wide receiver, really. Um, you know, there, there are lots of teams that could use him. The Baltimore Ravens could absolutely use him, you know, um, and these are all teams that are, that are, you know, contenders that can absolutely move on to the next level if they get a, you know, really good receiver. Maybe his prime days are gone, but he's he's sure as hell one of the better contributors in the league. And, yeah, definitely not one you want to lose out on. And, and don't forget that the Packers almost signed him last year. So it, it might be less likely he goes there since he's been here now and Devontae Adams is no longer there, but, like, that – relationship was established i personally don't know why they haven't signed julio jones yet the packers but um this is not a packers podcast but i I think it also might help the rams a little bit that julio is still out there uh will fuller still out there that there are you know a surprising amount of of talented free agent wide receivers still out there uh cole beasley albeit a way different player ty hilton um Antonio Brown, but that's not happening for anybody. Um, so there are guys out there. So you you have that leverage card too. Like 
you know, in, in a world where somebody gets hurt, there are guys out there. But I think once Julio's off the board, you're you're a lot likely to take a chance on an injured Odell than a walking injury in Will Fuller or a slightly less walking injury in T.Y. Hilton. So I, I just hope they get something done next month, man. I, I really do. I'd love to keep him here. Yeah, no no question. I, I just hate to see him play for another team at this point. I, I feel like despite him being with the team for just essentially half a season, maybe even less than half a season, he's, he's been like a really good fit for this team, uh, both on the field and off the field. So he's <laughs> hoping, man. Hey, rumors are Cleveland's interested, so maybe he'll go back there and catch some passes from Jacoby Brissett this year. <laughs> yeah, I you, I feel like if Deshaun Watson didn't have all these uh, allegations against him, I think he'd be more inclined to going to Cleveland, but I, I'm not that threatened with him going back to Cleveland at this point. <laughs> I, I'm just going to try and drag... Deshaun Watson on this podcast as much as possible until he gets suspended. Uh, if you guys know who, if you guys are, are familiar with and know the person who allegedly bought Deshaun Watson popcorn at the movie theater, please let me know. I'd love to have him on the pod, him or her, um, because I don't believe that this person exists. I, I can't imagine somebody saw Deshaun Watson at the movies and said, hey, let me buy him popcorn. Uh, I think we already... I, I'd, I'd have to say that um, could Deshaun Watson buy me popcorn? Popcorn at the movies is expensive. That's dude. what I'm saying. I mean, listen, we already have uh, enough reason to suspect that Deshaun Watson is a pathological liar. So, what's another lie? You know. <laughs> I, I I'm starting to get the feeling that you don't like Deshaun Watson. I you know, man, I just find it hard to believe that 26 women are making this stuff up and he's already admitted to going to like 50 massage parlors over two years so (laughs) well maybe he should have went to new england i mean i heard robert Kraft is into that kind of stuff i don't like i can't even like i don't even think they're comparable situations like at least at least robert Kraft. at least everyone involved in the robert Kraft thing knew what was going to happen when he walked into the massage parlor (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't think these the situations are comparable. I, I guess that's true. Yeah, you, you, you got a point there. <laughs> um, let's, Jesus Christ, let's talk about, let's move on to um, Eric Dickerson's running back rankings. Johnny, you wanted to talk about this. Uh, Dickerson, correct me if I'm missing anything here. He was asked to give his top five running backs in the NFL. Uh, Eric Dickerson, Los Angeles Rams legend, Hall of Famer. Uh, This was his list. Number one, Derrick Henry. Number two, Ezekiel Elliott. Number three, Saquon Barkley. Number four, Jonathan Taylor. Number five, Christian McCaffrey. So, (laughs) like, I I am fine with Derrick Henry being number one. It, it's just a little insane to me to rank Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley ahead of Jonathan Taylor in 2022, yeah, especially I, I, Zeke. I feel like this was a, a list made back in 2016, uh, but of course uh, Saquon wasn't in the league just yet. But um, yeah, I I don't I don't get the Zeke hype, but then again, I never did. Uh, Zeke is a talented running back, or at least he was. Uh, I, I don't think there's any question there, but um, I don't think this is a guy that you can really say he's in the top five or even the top ten, for that matter. Uh, in fact, you could probably argue that he may not even be the best running back on the Cowboys. Uh I, I don't think that's controversial to say. It's not. A lot of people hold that opinion. I do not personally, but I still think it's insane to rank him this high. But my question to you, Steve, is why is there so many, so much disrespect to guys like Alvin Kamara, guys like um, Austin Eckler, 
You know, these are these are quality, quality players. And, and they constantly getting shaded. Well, he only ranked five guys, you know, so it, it's not like he did the top ten and left those guys out. It's it is fucking crazy to put Zeke ahead of those guys. I think. I mean, I mean, Kamara though, it hasn't hasn't exactly been incredible uh, over the last year. Um, Eckler, I I like Eckler a lot. Um, or Nick, Nick Chubb, even Nick man. Chubb. Yeah, I was gonna say Nick Chubb. Um, but I mean, outside of Zeke, I don't think anyone here is too egregious of an inclusion. Joe Mixon's another guy who was a, a baller last year. Um, Dalvin Cook. It's just there's a lot of good running backs, man. Um, and I think I, I'd have to you know kill the brakes on on Barkley though. You know I like Saquon Barkley. I think on another team he can do a lot better. But what has he proven so far? Other than his rookie season, he really hasn't had like this you know spectacular career that people seem to to uh you know make it seem like he's had and really even when he was healthy last year didn't exactly blow anybody away uh am i overreacting no no not at all i think like i can get why you put saquon in here more than zeke because like i guess if you're assuming saquon is healthy um maybe he is the guy that we saw his rookie year but like you said man it was a while ago, um, he, you know, he missed all 2020. And maybe maybe he just wasn't able to get full, back to full help last year. He was saddled with a bad team. But at the same time, we've seen plenty of running backs be good on bad teams. And he's just straight, he was just straight up bad last year. So, you know, I hope he could return to the form he looked like his rookie year and to a lesser extent uh, his sophomore year. I'm not super confident that he will. Uh, I mean, I mean, give me, give me your top five while, while we're doing this. Who would you have as your top five running backs right now? Number one, I, I have to agree with Dickerson is Derrick Henry. I, I mean, you, you you can't stop if Derrick Henry's healthy. There's no stopping the man. Dude is a beast. Uh, number two, easily Jonathan Taylor. I I don't know how you have anyone else there. I I know last year was kind of his. I mean, he's a young guy, so. Uh, but still, he he proved that he was the best running back last year, um, and, and I don't think that's controversial to say. So, it's definitely not. Uh, no, not at all. Um, that's when you're getting down to the rest of them. That's where it gets a little bit challenging. But number three, I'm going to say Chubb, um, just because I, I love Nick Chubb. I, I think he's one of the more underrated uh, running backs in football, and uh, you know considering he's in a you know crowded running back depth chart it, it's kind of amazing that this guy still stands out somehow but he does uh number four definitely christian mccaffrey if he's healthy this guy is one of the best in football no question uh just unfortunately past couple of years it's you know it, it hasn't exactly worked for him and number five i'm gonna say austin eckler I think this guy's a beast when healthy, and uh, I, I'm a little disappointed that nobody shows him much love. Uh, but yeah, Austin Eckler, I, I would say get the fifth, fifth spot here. See, um, you, you didn't even put uh, you didn't even put Alvin Kamara in it. Uh, you know, I, I I was debating, I was really debating, but Kamara, I, I'm gonna put at number six if I had a, a number six for sure, uh, because I, I do think that if he's healthy. And the Saints aren't doing something stupid that, um, you know, he's right up there. And, and, and again, you could probably interchange um, Kamara number six with uh, Joe Mixon. I don't think that's controversial at all. Um, but, yeah, th- those are probably my top five. But I'm really curious who you got, Steve. I Mine's probably pretty close. I think, yeah, it's – I'd probably go JT number one just because we don't know how healthy – Henry is um, are going to look post-injury, I should say. I would still put him number two, though, and I'd still give McCaffrey the benefit of the doubt at three. I love Chubb, too, man. I think I'd put him four. Uh, I think he's a monster. I think he's underrated. 
Uh, and Very. yeah, he, he's in such a crowded backfield and just still puts up numbers. Um, I think he's a guy that is going to be age well for a running back. And yeah, number five is tough, man. I'm I'm kind of torn between honestly Joe Mixon and I, Dalvin Cook. I I think it, it might still have something left in the tank. I think I'd go Mixon just because you know Dalvin's health is a little shaky. Uh, but I think those would be my five and six. Probably Eckler right behind, um, and then Kamara. I I can kind of agree with Dalvin Cook. Cook is someone you definitely want in the equation. And the only reason why I kind of left him off my list is because of health. Uh, I, I I can't really remember a season where he, if he's ever had a season where he played an entire season or at least close to one. <laughs> and that's kind of what matters here, man. And, uh, you know, he's still a young guy, I think, right? Still a young guy. So yeah. I, I think as long as he uh, continues to um, – to play and, and stay healthy, he, he could certainly reclaim, you know, uh, one of the top top guys in the in the NFL here. Well, and, but we're still not even close to Zeke, uh, or not? No, like not like that far away. But like, I would still I would put Aaron Jones ahead of him. I would oh, put. Uh, I think I'd still put Saquon ahead of him. Um, I'd put AJ Dillon ahead of him. <laughs> I, I like. I don't fully disagree. Javante Williams, I'm putting ahead of him. Um, you can Antonio make Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris. Uh, yeah. I would take Zeke over Gibson, though. I, I don't. I am not sold on Gibson just yet. I like Gibson, man. I, I really do. But uh, I wouldn't argue too much if you if you uh, if you said Zeke is better than Gibson. I think if but, you uh, switch Josh Jacobs and Zeke, uh, Josh Jacobs would be much better. Yes. Um. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, he's probably top fifteen, but yeah, top five is insane. Would you rather have Cam Akers or or Zeke? That damn, that's <laughs> a tough one. Um, I I I think Zeke, man. I would only take Akers because uh, of Zeke's ma- massive contract. I I would rather oh, have yeah, Akers yeah, in yeah. that regard. No, if you're if if contracts are a factor, yeah, it's not it's not even a debate. Um, but it's just like, if, if contract's not a factor, I think I'd still take Zeke. I, it would not shock me whatsoever if acres is better this year, but, um, I think we just have enough, like, I don't know. I love acres, but I don't think we have the evidence just yet that like he can be that guy. I think he's no. going to be, but you can't say that today. And I think if you plug in Zeke, like, I don't think he's any worse than, like what we expect the average, the median of what Cam Akers would be. I don't know if that sounds silly or not. I can't imagine that Zeke too, like on the Rams would be worse than Sonny Michel was for us last year. Uh, okay. Last one, because I, I, I don't know why I love this topic so much, but uh, last one, James Robinson or Zeke. Pre Achilles injury. It wasn't even a debate. Um, But post Achilles, I, I, you know, I can't, and that's kind of the, the deal with Acres too, man. It's I, I can't in good faith pick Robinson over Zeke when he's coming off an Achilles tear. Um, that's fair. I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be good, but it's a lot safer to say Zeke today. But, I mean, who was better last year? I think Robinson was better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's fair. And, um Truthfully, I, I think that Zeke is a talented running back still. I don't think he's a horrible running back like some people will say um, because I still think he's he's a hell of a running back in the league. Just certainly I, I wouldn't put him in the top ten. What, I, I, what about either any of these guys, David Montgomery, Elijah Mitchell, Leonard Fournette? Definitely not Fournette. Uh, Montgomery's kind of tempting, but he has kind of that injury problem as well. And Elijah Mitchell is very, very tempting because I think he's he's a very talented running back, very young running back. Uh, I I would say Mitchell over Zeke just because of how young he is. I I, 
I think I'd agree, but it's tough to say because, like, we talk about how Zeke's in a great situation for running back, but, like, if you plugged, like, Jonathan Taylor into San Francisco, he might have ran for 3,000 yards. No doubt. Like, not even, yeah, absolutely. Elijah Mitchell had 40 less yards in Zeke last year in six less games and on 30 less carries, um, which is just, like, fucking ridiculous. Uh, but it yep. is. Or at least we'll see on, with the new Trey Lance offense. But last year, it was the best r- situation for a running back. Anyone you plugged in there just just put up monster numbers. It, it was crazy. Uh, but I do think Elijah Mitchell is, is a really good player. Yeah, and it kind of pains me to say that uh, with a division rival like the 49ers. But uh, he is he is a damn good player. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see how they are with uh with Trey Lance back there if if that's the route they go. Uh, Dickerson also ranked the Rams running backs historically. Uh, shockingly, he went with Eric Dickerson at number one, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then he went Marshall Falk, Stephen Jackson, Todd Gurley. Um, his rationale for Stephen Jackson over Todd Gurley was, um that he had much worse teams around him. It, it, it did bring, you know, I think you could debate Dickerson or Falk. You could debate Jackson or Gurley. I don't think you could really debate any of the other combinations. Um, but it, it had me thinking, like, who do you think at the at the peak of their game would you have taken Todd Gurley or would you have taken Stephen Jackson? Like, let's say hypothetically you take the best version of Stephen Jackson and switch him with, probably what 2018 Todd Gurley was probably his peak before the injury like if you swap those guys would the numbers improve would they dip would they be the same uh well my take is is Steven Jackson is is the better running back um between the two and not to not to discredit Todd Gurley because the man was a beast I mean, there there was a reason why the Rams invested a lot of money before, you know, injuries got the best of them. That was literally the downfall of, of Todd Gurley was just injuries. And, and it sucks, but it happens. Um, but Steven Jackson, I mean, was if, if Todd Gurley is a beast, Steven Jackson is a freaking monster, dude. Steven Jackson did so much with pretty much no talent at offensive line. Like, I I don't think there was really any really good offensive lineman in the prime of his career. And, and I mean the prime, not like the early part of his career when he was kind of splitting time with Marshall Falk. I, I'm, I'm talking like in the prime prime of his career. I Some of these offensive linemen you probably don't even remember. You know, that's how bad the offensive lineman he played with. And he was still putting up these monster – Hall of Fame type numbers, and sadly he won't get the recognition he deserves because he played on one of the worst teams that the franchise has ever seen, and, and that sucks. But uh, yeah, you put him in a good situation. You hell, you put him in last year, and a the Rams dominate. Like there's no question, the Rams they they sail towards the Super Bowl oh. at that point. I for sure, but they also didn't have peak Todd Gurley last year. You know what I mean? That's true. You could say the same thing if you insert Todd Gurley at his best onto the team last year. That that's that's a fair assessment also, but yeah, man, I I think even okay, even if you put because um, Todd Gurley was on was he on the team in twenty sixteen? Yeah, and that's probably like the best counter argument you could have is yeah. Todd Gurley couldn't do anything. Um, the year that the one year of his career on the Rams where they were just really bad. I mean, they were bad as rookie year, but like they were really bad uh, that year and he couldn't do shit. And meanwhile, uh, Steven Jackson had maybe the best year of his entire career on uh, second best, but on a one in 15 football team, you know, he made a pro bowl on a <laughs> one in 15 team. He ran for 1,400 yards on a team that played behind basically nonstop. Uh, so, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough to say. But you could also, like, if you're making the case for Gurley, you could point out how good Jared Goff was in 2017 and 2018 when Gurley was the, 
arguably the best offensive player in the league versus what happened to Todd Gurley, what, or sorry, what happened to Jared Goff in 2019 and 2020 when Gurley was either run down or not there at all. And Goff went from being, you know, a really promising and important, like a star young quarterback playing some incredible football uh, to just changing into one of the most mediocre to borderline bad quarterbacks in the league. The only real constant that wasn't there was Todd Gurley. Uh, unless, well, no, because Brandon Cooks was there in 19. I mean, Todd Gurley was there in 19 too, but he was clearly a shell. Like, and in 2020, you know, Cooper Cup is still there. Uh, Robert Woods is still there. Sean McVay is still there. Uh, the offensive line in 2019 was obviously bad, but they were not in 2020. Um, so it's like you just took away Todd Gurley and things kind of fell apart. Um, and if you look at Steven Jackson, you know, and I don't blame him for this whatsoever, but he wasn't necessarily elevating the quarterbacks he was playing with. Um, but also the quarterbacks you were playing with were really bad. So, you know, I, you can't really fault him for that. Uh, and so it's a tough one for me, man. I think, I think if you, you take the totality of their careers, it's pretty easily Steven Jackson, just cause Gurley's peak was two years. Um, but at the peak, man, I don't know. It's tough. I think I would give Steven Jackson a slight edge, but I think it's like if you put Steven Jackson on the 2018 Rams, like I I would say I don't think anything really changes. Uh, I don't think he makes the offense better because Todd Gurley was that good, but I definitely don't think he makes the offense worse. So my question to you is – do you think Steven Jackson is better than Marshall Falk or Eric Dickerson? No. Neither do, one of them. Do you? Marshall Falk, absolutely not. Marshall Falk is, in my opinion, the best running back the Rams have ever seen. No disrespect to Eric Dickerson. But uh, Marshall Falk is like in a whole other class. He was just, I mean, he he kind of he kind of basically emphasized a new style of running back and, uh, you know, getting a, a guy in the backfield. I know that there are other running backs previously that did that, but he was so featured in, in this greatest show on turf. And part of that was just how the offense was, you know, organized, but um, still he, he kind of answered that call of being, you know, a damn good running back, but also receiver in the background. And that's, that's just, Awesome, you know. So I, I think he's in a class of his own. Eric Dickerson, hell of a running back, probably the most pure running back the Rams have ever had. Um, that being said, I could probably make an argument that Steven Jackson might be a better running back than Eric Dickerson. I know I'm going to piss off a lot of people when I say this, but I don't know if I would outright say it, but I think there could be, I think there could be uh, an argument that Stephen Jackson could have been a better running back than than uh, Eric Dickerson had he played for, damn, I don't know, a decent team. I don't know, man. Dickerson's numbers are insane, and I think it like yeah. you you could make the case that yeah, if you dropped Stephen Jackson into 1984 and handed him the ball. 380 times he probably could have set the nfl rushing record um but you have to grade these on a curve because players are more athletic today you know in general versus um 1984 you know it's kind of why it's like hard to rank bill russell against like kevin durant because obviously if you dropped kevin durant into 1960 he would be the greatest player to ever live but you can't like you can't really grade it like that. You know what I mean? I I do think it's a little insane to say if Steven Jackson was on a better team, he would have been Eric Dickerson. I I don't know because like again, it's just so impressive to me how good of a player he was on such a terrible team. And, and mind you, it wasn't just one year; it was pretty much his entire career. Like. It's not even close. You compare the teams that Dickerson was on. I I I think that Jackson would dream 
of a of even the worst team that Eric Dickerson was on, I think it would be a dream to him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, and I, I've said, and I'll say it again, if, if Steven Jackson was on a good team, he would have been a Hall of Famer. Um, I don't I know. I think it should be. He's a tough case. No, I, I, I actually don't think he gets in. I, I don't know if he has has the accolades. I personally think he should. Um, but I just don't think he would. But you look at, like, dude, Dickerson's numbers are crazy. He ran for 1,800 yards or more three times. Um, trying to do this math on the fly, but if you look at all-time list, I don't think anyone else did that ever. Um, OJ did it twice. Uh, he did it in less games, too, if I'm, if I'm going to be fair. Right? He was only 14, right? Eric Dickerson? Yeah. Uh, I think he was... Nah, he was 16. Oh, he was 16, okay. Um... But I mean, still, eighteen. His rookie year ran for eighteen hundred yards and followed it up with twenty one hundred yards. Um, and it's still a record that holds today. Yeah, yeah, and and that's saying a lot. Like, well, I guess the game has moved away from running the football. You know, guys aren't really carrying the rock three hundred eighty times a year, um, <laughs> unless you're Derrick Henry, who came close. But yeah, Dickerson's really good, man. I think that's a tough one. Yeah, I, I, in the end, I do think that Dickerson is is probably going to always be historically known as the Rams' top two uh, running back. And I don't think it's controversial to say that. But I just I can't help but say what if with, with Steven Jackson. I still believe that this guy should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and it's going to be a tough pill to swallow when like Frank Gore gets into the Hall of Fame. Um, yes, because he's light years better than Frank Gore. He's I don't definitely better. Yeah, for Frank Gore, like I, I saw a Reddit thread about him. Like he's just such a he's the most like he is a one of one case. Like there's no hall of there's no career to compare his to to decide if he gets into the Hall of Fame, and there probably won't be another. You know, no like nobody was like that consistent for that long um but also didn't have like an astronomical peak you know like ap obviously had some longevity emmett smith had some longevity uh ladanian tomlinson had longevity but those guys at the peak of their game were the arguably the best player in the entire league um and frank gore was never even close to that he was probably he was never the best running back in the nfl at any point in his career so certainly one of the best at multiple points in his career but um it's like an impossible like there there's no no case like his and so it'll be I I think he does get into the Hall of Fame but it'll inter- it'll be interesting to see how long it takes. Yeah, I it, it's all just gonna boil down to longevity and I guess that's a kudos too because running back is a brutal position as we've seen especially in recent years. Uh, it's hard for any top running back or any running back at all to stay healthy. So the fact that, you know, a guy like Frank Gore could, you know, play so long and play good at, at a, you know, a good to decent that, you know, such a long lengthy career, um, you know, that, that's a major kudos, but does that, is that enough to get into the hall of fame? Again, you look at guys like Steven Jackson and it's like, it's kind of, Kind of unfair to think like that, but it is what it is. He he just got screwed because, like, genuinely, Frank Gore has more accolades, even if it's not just the totality of his year. He made more Pro Bowls. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, he's third all time in rushing. Like, you're going to have to put the guy in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> the, although, like, it's funny, like, the highest, besides active him, besides him and AP, um, the highest rushing total not in the Hall of Fame is Fred Taylor at 17. Right behind him is Steven Jackson at 18. Wow. That's that's uh that's interesting. Yeah, and I mean not probably neither of those guys get in. Um I, I did love, like Fred Fred Taylor. I love Fred Taylor. Do. Uh but if you but, put Fred Taylor in you gotta put Steven Jackson in. Uh Steven oh, Jackson dude, is no game. question. Um and like you look behind Steven Jackson it's guys like Corey Dillon uh, Sean McCoy, who's a very interesting case, work done, Ricky Waters, Jamal Lewis, Thomas Jones, like Tiki Barber, those guys aren't getting in. So there is precedent for Jackson, but 
you know, out of that whole group, I just said it. Besides LaShawn McCoy, I think he does have the best case. Yeah, yeah. I... Really, LaShawn McCoy? Yeah, the LaShawn McCoy is a sneaky good case. Um, he, if you look at his career, it was better than you remembered. I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll get in, but uh, well, there was a string where you know maybe he wasn't the best running back in the league, but he was certainly top five. Um, I don't, and uh, he he was that for a while. Yeah, um, six-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. Uh, made an all decade team. You know, I don't know. You could, we could debate, like, it's a real debate if, if Steven Jackson has a better case. Um, I think he might, but I, I don't know. It, it, it sucks. This is he, a interesting. It sucks that he played for us for so long, unfortunately, and in the wrong decade. So my question to you, Steve, is uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but, uh, who would you say is the fifth guy for the Rams? So we obviously know our top four would be number five. I don't know, man. It's, it's tough because like for me as a Rams fan, um, I didn't really watch the team before Marshall Falk. And we went from Marshall Falk to Steven Jackson to Todd Gurley to the current backs. Um, I mean, who would you say? I feel like, like Lawrence McCutcheon is probably the guy that gets the most mentioned in that. It is a yeah monumental drop off. It um, is before it the is. next. There's no question. You mean to tell me it wouldn't be Brian Leonard? <laughs> Trunk candidate. Trunk candidate. Can we like? <laughs> we're definitely going to all this podcast, but like, have you ever thought about how fucking insane it is that they actually draft a trunk candidate in the first round? Yeah, like it, it is. It is the worst draft pick the team has ever made. I will stand by that to my grave, dude. Ooh, it is ever? easily. The worst draft pick they've ever made. Dude, they just won a Super Bowl. They're with one of the, like, arguably the best running back in the NFL. It, like, the defense the defense probably needs some work. Uh, and you go ahead and you draft a fucking running back in, like, not even a can't-miss prospect. Like, no disrespect to Trunk Candidate, but it's not like you drafted, you know, the next March Vulcan. I don't know what... Like, what they like, if you look at, and I've looked at this, if you want to point to the start of the Rams empire crumbling, it is that draft pick. Because it's at that point that there was a shift from Dick Vermeil to Mike Mars and the new regime in the front office. And it is at that point where you realize that they clearly had no fucking idea what they were doing. That they could actually go out there. And make a pick that A, might alienate your best player, and B, just be absolutely a complete waste. Um, and, and how did it work out? He never did anything, and Marshall Falk won the fucking MVP the next year. It, yeah. it is it is the worst. It is worse than Greg Robinson. It is worse than Alex Barron. It is worse than Ty Hill. It is worse than every fucking pick they made because there's just you cannot sit here and justify that draft pick. There's no way you could talk yourself into that being a good pick. You know the funny thing is um, there are still people that are convinced that uh, Mike Martz was the better head coach over. Uh, Dick Vermeil, and I, I still to this day cannot understand that. But uh, that's a topic for another day, I think. I would love for somebody to write a book about how the team fell apart so hard and so fast under that new regime because uh, Mike Martz is one of the guys to blame for it. There's a whole group of guys. But the fact that they went into that draft and it settled on that pick to me is the start of the fucking – them becoming the worst franchise in the NFL. Yeah, the dark ages. You say, Thankfully, we're no longer there. You St. Louis fans who are still there want to know where the start of the team eventually leaving is. It is a trunk. Well, it's it's Dick Vermeil leaving, and then it's a trunk candidate draft pick. Yeah, I I still don't understand the Mike Martz love. Uh, offensive genius, maybe. But uh, head coach, he was not. Well, he he did a good job for a bit, but ultimately, like, it just cratered so hard because they just continued to make horrible draft picks for an entire decade. Yeah, uh, very different from now, I would say. <laughs> I 
God damn. Shout out to Eric Dickerson for giving us like 25 minutes of content here. I'm glad I, I mentioned this. It was fun. Trunk candidate went 30. Um, 30th pick. In the, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. I, it's just. I, I think at some point we got to do that. We got to. We got to talk about the most, uh, you know, head scratching draft picks that we've ever had. Well, it's it's the same. It's the regime because I don't. I, I've looked this up and I don't remember the names because I was really fascinated about this um, for a while. I was borderline like trying to figure out how to write a book and then write about it, but that's way too much work. Um, but like, it was Mike March, Jay Zogmont, who ended up becoming who who won the power struggle and became the GM by himself in two thousand six and uh, free falled the team into oblivion. And then there's somebody else I can't remember that was like the big brain trust after Dick Vermeil left and they just ran the team to the fucking ground. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to forget those days. I can never forget them. It's a part of me. <laughs> All right. Sadly, uh, it's part of a lot of us. <laughs> we have went way too long. We'll save the Von Miller talk for whenever we play. Do we give a shit? Um, <laughs> anything else before we wrap this up? Uh, just uh, go Dodgers. Uh, I know that they were kind of in a free fall for a while, but the comeback starts now uh, for those of you that actually care about baseball. Okay, go Dodgers, sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, we will talk to you later. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Cibero, at johnny 5 not 6 and at Top Rams. And we will talk to you guys soon. How, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. You, you personally? I think we ain't done yet. <laughs>